blessings be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus as our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. We'll finish there. We're continuing the series on fruitfulness, and this morning we're looking at fruitfulness and growth. And I just want to start off by making a, a statement. I want you to decide whether this statement is true or false. And the statement is this. I can never do anything to make God more or less pleased with me. I can never do anything to make God more or less pleased with me. Is that true or is that false? Now, if you think it's true, you're right. If you think it's false, you're right. And if you think, well, I'm not sure, it might be a bit of both, you're right, okay? So, it's a win-win situation, isn't it? It all depends what you mean by that statement. If you think of it in terms of your salvation, it's true that you can never do anything to make God more pleased with you. You can't be more justified than you are. You can't be more accepted to God than you are when you're in Christ. In that sense, in our salvation, I cannot do anything to make God more or less pleased with me. So that statement is true. But in another sense, as a Christian who's been justified, who's been put right with God, there are things that I can do that displease God. And there are things that I can do that make him more pleased with me. Paul prayed that we might be fully pleasing to God. So it, it suggests that we can be less, fully, less than fully pleasing to God. Uh, in Hebrews 11.6 it says, Without faith it's impossible to please God. So if we're not exercising faith and trust, then we're not pleasing God. So clearly as Christians there are more things that we can do to please God. And there are some things we can do that displease Him. So it's, a, it's a difference between our union and our communion with God. In, our, in terms of our union, 
That's secure, that's, that's settled. We're united with Christ. But with our communion, that can go deeper. That can grow. It's like, it's like being married. You, you, you can't wake up one day and think to yourself, well, I only feel half married today. You can't. You're either married, well, you can think that, but you're either married or you're not married. But you can have a better marriage or you, you, you can have a, a, a better relationship in your marriage. You know, you can have a richer or a poorer marriage. So our union is fixed, but our communion with God deepens or is shallow. And so it is with God. We can please God more. How do we please God more? By growing. By, by growing in our Christian lives. It pleases God if we grow in our communion with Him. If we grow in, in our relationship with Him. If we grow in our love for Him. If we grow in our faith and, and trust in Him more. And if we grow in our fruitfulness. And that's what this passage is all about. Verse 5 to 8. Let me read it again. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 5. But also for this very reason, give all diligence, add to your faith virtue. In other words, grow. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. So that, that says we're to give all diligence, we're, we're to add, we're to, we're, we're to make every effort to grow, to add to what's there. And uh, I don't know if you can see that, but in, the, in that list there, uh, there's a lot of the fruit of the Spirit there, isn't there? Um, virtue is goodness, it means goodness. Uh, Self-control, patience, perseverance, love. So, the fruit of the Spirit isn't just about the fruit of the Spirit sort of pouring into our lives His fruit, as it were. Actually, I'm to add. So, I've got to play my part if I'm to grow. So, how do we grow? How do we grow in these things, in our spiritual fruitfulness? Well, I want to suggest there are two things. There's God's part and there's our part. I want to concentrate mainly on God's part, but... Let's just look at our part briefly. What's our part in growing? Well, verse 5 says this. For this very reason, make every effort. That's the NIV translation. Make every effort to add to your faith. God wants to see these lovely qualities in your life so much that he exhorts you and me to make every effort to add to them, to add into our lives these things. Because the, the reality is, growth doesn't just happen, does it? Spiritual growth isn't automatic. After all, every Christian has, according to verse 2, all the divine power that's needed for life and godliness. Every Christian's got that. And verse, verse 3, sorry, and verse 4, we've all got these precious promises. We've all got access to these precious promises. But does that mean that every Christian is growing? 
No, not spiritually. Because spiritual growth isn't automatic. Eric Liddell, some of you will recognize the name, maybe you've seen Chariots of Fire, the film about him um, as an, an athlete. He, was, he won the 400 yards, and it was yards in those days, gold medal at the 1924 Olympics. And uh, the thing was, he entered the Olympics as a 100-yard specialist. But on finding out that the 100 yards final was on a Sunday, he wouldn't run because he believed that was the Lord's day. And so instead, he chose to run in the 400-yard race, and he won the gold medal. And when interviewed afterwards by the Edinburgh Papers, asked how he'd done it, Seeing as he'd been preparing for the 100 yards, he said this. Well, he said, the answer is this. I ran the first 200 yards as fast as I could. And then with God's help, I ran the second 200 even faster. He, he recognized he had to put the effort in. But he did it with God's help and God's strength. In his uh, book, and it's a, a really good book, The Discipline of Grace... Jerry Bridges uses an illustration, just to give a very simple illustration, of this sort of God's part and our part, and he, he likens it to a, um, an aeroplane with two wings. And uh, he says, uh, just like the aeroplane, one wing is obedience and one wing is, di is, is uh, dependence on God. Obedience and dependence on God. And just like the aeroplane needs, needs both wings to fly and to lift, as Christians, we need obedience, that's our part, dependence on God because we need God's part as well. We've got to play our part. What does it mean? How, 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 what, what practically can I do then to grow in these things? Well, we've got to start with the Bible. The Bible is through the Word of God that we feed our souls, so... It's important that we read the Bible regularly. We study the Bible. We hear it taught. We renew our minds with, with the truths of God's Word. We feed our souls with the Word of God. That doesn't happen automatically. You know, if I don't do anything about it, it'll, that, that Bible will stay on the shelf. It, it, it's got, I've got to apply myself, make every effort to read the Word of God. We grow in prayer, through prayer, through um, talking to God, through communing with God, sharing with God, praying, asking, worshipping, praising. That doesn't just happen, does it? That actually takes a lot of discipline to do that day in and day out. But if I'm to grow, God, God wants me to make every effort to pray. That's my part. We grow through fellowship, fellowshipping with each other and sharing with each other, being encouraged by each other, admonished, and uh, you know, like iron sharpening iron and worshipping like this. That doesn't happen. I, I've got, I, I cannot let that slip. You mustn't let that slip. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, it says in Hebrews 10. Don't let, don't let it sort of... Well, I don't feel like it today, I'll, I'll, I'll miss out, I've got something better to do. And no, we, we make, we've got to make every effort to grow, to add to our faith. That's our part. Obedience. 
We need to seek God. And so that's important that we play our part. Notice it just says as well, we're to give all diligence. Uh, verse 3, sorry, not verse 3, verse 5, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence. There's a, it, the NIV has make every effort. It includes a sense of urgency. Don't give up. Don't get discouraged. Don't allow anything to, to, to throw you off course. There's a part you have to play. Don't let anything sort of distract you. That's what he's saying. There's an advertising agency once created an advert for a new uh, style, a new type of Rolls Royce that said this, at 60 miles an hour, the loudest noise in the new Rolls Royce is the electric clock. And when they ran the ad by a company executive, he smiled and said, I guess we've got to do something about that clock. We should never stop trying to do better. Never stop trying to improve bit by bit. Mr. and Mrs. Little had eight children in the family. When asked how on earth she coped, she said, well, every little helps. <laughs> Terrible, isn't it, that? But every little does help. Step by step, bit by bit. Don't miss out the small bits of our lives, of our Christian lives. Let me tell you about the Chinese bamboo tree. During the first four years of its life, it grows a few centimeters. And then all of a sudden, in five weeks, it grows 30 meters. Phenomenal growth, mega growth. So the first four years, a few centimetres, and then five weeks, nearly 30 metres. Now, is it accurate to say that it grows to its full 30 metres and a few centimetres in just five weeks? No. Because if in those first four years, when it just grew a little bit, it, didn't, it wasn't watered, it, the, the sun was blocked out, it wasn't nourished. Its growth would have been stunted, it might even have died. So every stage was important, even when it didn't seem that it was growing. And it's the same in our Christian lives. Sometimes we feel that we're not growing. Sometimes we f it's hard going. We might, we, things, and I'll be talking about this in a moment. Things happen and, and it can feel like you're going through treacle in your Christian life. But actually, those times are just as important, if not more important, than when actually everything is amazing and you just seem, you seem to be running away and, and, and in your Christian faith and going on at full power. Every part is important. And we're to take those little steps for growth that are important. What, what little step do you need to take now, next, for you to grow in your Christian life? What, what's the next thing that you need to do? What does God want you to do? To play your part, to make every effort, to add to your faith those things. That's our part. What about God's part? One of the things that I want to concentrate on when it comes to God's part, there's, there's lots of things we could have looked at. But I want to concentrate on something that might be a bit surprising and unexpected when it comes to God's part in your growth and my growth. 
And it actually comes, not in this passage, I want to turn back to the John 15, the passage we've been looking at in our series on fruitfulness. John 15 and verse 2, which says this. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he what? Prunes. That it may bear more fruit. What does God do to help you to grow? Interestingly enough, he prunes us so that we might grow more fruit. There's a a dual responsibility of the vine dresser. One is to lop off and cut away dead branches, but the other is to prune the vine. And what does it mean to prune? Well, the original Greek, it means to clean, to purge. So pruning involves cutting away those things that would hinder growth. Or dealing with those things in our lives that would actually stop us bearing fruit. I mean, a a vine, the vine doesn't need all of the extra foliage and all of the leaves and all of the extra twigs and things like that. Those things need to be pruned. I think one of the most difficult things in the Christian life and becoming a disciple of Christ is that God doesn't suddenly make us immune from trials and tribulations and difficulties. And sometimes the question comes, isn't it, why would a loving God allow us to go through such things as whatever that is? And it might be disease, it might be struggles, it might be financial problems, it might be death, worry, fear. And the thought is, surely if he loved us, would he not take those things away? Would he not preserve us from those things that cause us to be so uncomfortable? And the Bible's so clear that the answer is, it's because he loves us that actually he allows those things to be part of our lives. Don't need to turn to Romans 8.28, you probably all know it. Um, At least something of it, where it talks about all things work together for good to those who love the Lord, who are called according to his purpose. Which must mean if all things work together for good, then the difficult things and the trials and the tribulations and the, and the awkward things and the difficult things that we face, the challenges, all those things must be good in God's hands. No matter how hard it might seem. Every one of us has things that need to be pruned. Every one of us. We all need, you know, there, there are, th- I mean, obviously if there's sin in my life, that needs to be dealt with. And sometimes God has a way of, of challenging me through the things that I'm going through. God uses all sorts of things to bring us up short, as it were, and to examine ourselves. But it's not just the, the sinful things. Sometimes it's the good things that actually take too big a part in our lives, play too much of a part. And, and sometimes God just makes us, Question, think, 
examine ourselves. And sometimes God uses all sorts of things to do that. Maybe because we're getting distracted, maybe because we're sort of allowing things become self-absorbed or other things are taking over. Every one of us needs that. But it's interesting, pruning of a vine involves more than cutting away. It's not just cutting away. The vine dresser will come to this vine and lovingly and tenderly and carefully find ways of supporting that vine. Often it's by creating a trellis or a framework. And part of the skill of pruning and vine dressing is, a, is actually training the vine, teaching the vine, if you like, helping it to grow, helping it to be strong where it needs to be strong. And so the vine, pruning of a vine, involves more than just cutting things away. It involves supporting tending, managing, helping it to become stronger, healthier. And God has so many ways to do that. God's a, God is our Heavenly Father. Just turn, if you will, to Hebrews 12. It's another of those difficult passages that we perhaps don't like to think about so much. But Hebrews 12, verse 7. I'm let's have a see where it is. I think I'll read in the NIV, actually. Um, Rebecca, if you could put that up. Hebrews 12, verse 7. I'll let you find it. The word it uses here in the NIV, I, th I think, is discipline. In the New King James, it's chastening. Um, discipline, it, when we think of discipline, we think of punishment, don't we? That, you know, in terms of disciplining a child. But actually, the word involves it actually means teaching, educating, training. So here's, let's read this. Endure hardship as discipline, as teaching, training. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? In verse 8. If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. And lastly, verse 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest fruitfulness of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Can you put verse 6 up as well? Because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. The Lord disciplines those he loves. God brings things into our lives to discipline us, to train us, to teach us, to educate us, to help us to grow. That's part of his pruning. It's another way of seeing how God prunes, not just cuts away things, but actually helps us to grow, to become stronger, to become more fruitful. I'm, and I'm no gardener. Um, I distaste gardening, to be honest. It's not something I enjoy doing. 
But I once did an extensive research into pruning, which means I googled it. And what I discovered was that there are dozens of techniques for pruning. You can get qualifications for the job. You know, there are vineyards that will invest two or three years into someone's life to teach them how to prune the vine. And I came across some of the many methods that there are of pruning. So you have... So, does, anybody, does anybody prune vines? That's good. So you don't know if I'm right or wrong here. That's good. You, you have such things as rod and spur system. You have cane pruning. You have the gobelot method. You have the guillot method. You have vertical trellis method. And there are two major methods of pruning. One's called the Scott-Henry system. Scott-Henry system. Good. The other one is called the Smart Dyson method. <laughs> that good. Smart Dyson method. That trips off the tongue, doesn't it? It's really good. God's got all sorts of methods that he uses to help us to grow. He uses all sorts of situations, circumstances, experiences. Might be family life. Might be work life. Might be friends, people. For example, you, know, you, you, you hear a sermon about forgiveness. I've got, to, I've got to learn how to forgive. I've got to forgive. And, and we know the knowledge. Where do you practice that? Where's the opportunity to practice forgiveness? Often it's in the family life. Often it's in church life. Might be in your workplace, among your neighbours. Opportunities to grow in forgiveness. So often God uses people to help us to grow. I'm not thinking of, uh, uh, well, people who encourage us help us to grow. I'm actually thinking of people who discourage us. People who may irritate us. People who may rub us up the wrong way and we struggle with. Disappoint us. Because our natural inclination is to pray, God, would you remove them or change them? When actually, perhaps the better prayer, Lord, would you change me? Help me to learn how to love that person. Help me to... What, what, what Lord, are you help, what, what do you want to teach me in this situation? It's a hard prayer, isn't it? We'd much rather flee... <laughs> get out of the situation the same is true of any difficult circumstance it might be the breakup of a close relationship it might be sickness painful disease it might be just challenges at work or unemployment it, it, it can be problems in all sorts of it might be persecution it might be hurtful things that somebody says about you it might be personal grief discouragement, you know that the list is endless isn't it and, and the natural thing is why does God allow that why is this happening to me God loves me surely, why doesn't he take, it, take this away actually some people might even think God's punishing me why is God punishing me like this well this John 15 too, it doesn't give all the answers to this question but it does give an insight, an important aspect, that actually God is using these things to prune us, to change us, to help us to grow. 
to bring his loving discipline into our lives. And I think understanding that helps us to ask a different question. Not why is this happening, but what's God teaching me through this? What can I learn through this? How might this situation help me to become more Christ-like? How, how can this, this, this pain even? You know, we, I'll be talking a bit more about this tonight. There is, the, God allows disease and illness. He uses that. Praise God, he also asks us to seek healing. And it's right, and it's this tension that we hold. But actually, God uses these things in our lives. So all of these things are part of God's pruning. They're used there to help strengthen our faith in God, to depend on God. Maybe that we need to learn and God wants to teach us how to trust God more when, it's, when, when we can't see why. When we can't see the, the answers. It might be to teach us how to pray and praise God in all circumstances. It might be to help us change our priorities and, and sort of these things do, don't they? they? You experience some things in life that actually shake you to the core. And you realize actually mm, there's something more important than, them, that, than what I'm involved with at the moment. It helps us to evaluate those things. It might be to reorder the direction we're going in. It may be to help us deal with things that may be good in themselves, but they're taking over to get our focus back on God. The, the natural thing, I think, whenever we face difficult things is to run away from them. I've, I know Christians who've run away from ministry, Christian ministry, they've stopped, they've quitted because it's got difficult or there's been a difficult person or something. Don't, don't quit. That's, that's not the answer. It's, what, what, what's God, how can God help me in this situation? I was thinking in my preparation, now Moses, he, he was so discouraged at one time, he wanted to run away and die. Elijah was the same. Elijah got so depressed and despondent in one situation, he ran away, wanted to die. But quitting and running away is often the last thing God wants us to do. The devil would use these things to tear us down. The spirit wants to use them to build us up. So here, here's the thing, just to remember. Pruning is not punishment. We may feel like it is at times, but it's not. Discipline of God, and I'm thinking of discipline in that whole, whole sense. He, he does it as a loving father, and it's personal. It's, it's to you and to me. God manufactures, he works, he, he sorts out circumstances. He allows us to go things which are just that we can bear, that are right for us. You know, my, my dad... He used to discipline me and my kid, brother. It's interesting, he never disciplined any other children. Never understood that. But actually, he did it because he loved us. We were his special children. He couldn't do it to others. And God's like that. God brings his loving discipline, his loving pruning, his care into our lives. And it's personal. It's for you and for me. So... Here I am, I'm a branch, I'm in the vineyard. Suddenly the word comes, 
the vine dresser's coming. He's got his pruning shears. And he comes to me. And he stands before me and he starts to prune. And I say, Lord, I don't want that branch. I, I don't want you to take that branch. That's a very important branch to me. And he goes, whoops. And then he looks at another and he takes And I, I say, I like that. I'm, I'm uncomfortable. And he goes like that. Takes it. God is too loving to leave us as we are. And so God lovingly comes and actually because of his love, he cares for us enough to allow things into our lives that will help us to grow and to bring fruit for his glory. So should we ask God to prune us? Not likely. He'll do it anyway. Don't need to ask, that, ask for that. He loves us too much not to. Let's pray. And so perhaps if the the band would come. Lord, thank you so much for your word. And uh, thank you, Lord, for your word that is truth to us. Lord, we pray, would you confirm in our hearts your truths. Help them to settle there. Help us to be set free from those things that would hinder our growth, we pray. Would you strengthen our faith, Lord? Would you strengthen our love for you? Would you strengthen our hope and our trust? Lord, help us to abide in Christ that we might bear much fruit for your glory. Lord, how we thank you. Thank you, Lord, that we're not the victims of circumstances because you are the Lord of all and we're in your hands. And so, Lord, would you teach us, we pray, to trust and obey, to play our part, but to look to you to do all that you want to do in our lives. Help us, Lord, we pray. May your grace be sufficient for everything we go through. And I pray for each one here, Lord, that they would grow in grace. And Lord, in the circumstances you allow them to go through, Lord God, may they be victorious in Christ and know your presence daily, moment by moment. So help us in this, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing of a God who is faithful in every circumstance. Faithful one, so unchanging, ageless one. Let's uh, stand to sing. So may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.